Alrighty. Well, I don't know if you can guess today's sermon title, Better Than Sunshine. Did you know that was coming? I don't know. For me, sunshine is uh, just really pleasant, pleasurable. One of my favorite moments in life is being up in the mountains, out in the woods, waking up in the morning in my tent, getting out and getting a cup of coffee going, and getting a flashlight on my Bible, and just watching the sun come up. You know, it's still kind of cold. The sun comes up, boom, as soon as it hits you, you feel the warmth. Now that is my favorite moment. And as I'm sitting there, and just enjoying that moment, it just, it, the sun progressively goes up in the sky, and, and the warmth just continues to increase. And, you know, I feel on my face and my whole body. And to me, it's like joy rising and then flowing all over you. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. Everybody's got a special moment. But when the sun is coming up and you're out there in the woods, um, it's like a feeling of security. You know, I know the day is going to be okay. The sun is up. You know, we'll make it through the day. Um, I'll make it down the trail. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I kind of came up with this quote or this thought was, I know the sun is out, but the sun <coughs> is in. Yeah. So the S-U-N is out, but the S-O-N is in. Yeah. Yeah. So today... <coughs> New Year's Eve. Tomorrow's New Year's Day. And our society uh, generally makes a big deal out of that. You know, it's the end of one year, beginning of another year. And our society uses it as a uh, milestone or a way marker to examine yourself, maybe make some changes or commit to making some changes. Mm -hmm. And... Um, these, these holidays, this holiday period can also be the most debilitating time for some. Um, it can be really sad. Um, they can, their feelings can really be hurt. They could be missing. They could be lonely. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, you drink a couple cups of coffee and then boom, you have a crash. Now it's holiday. You're, you're all excited and then maybe it doesn't work out like you thought it would. And you have that crash. And it's during those moments where we're really challenged spiritually. So, given how great I think the sunshine is that I've tried to communicate, what could be better? What could be better? Uh, in fact, how do we keep the birthday candles on? You know, we have a birthday celebration with a cake and we have all the candles and there's that big moment where we light all the candles and the kids come here for that moment, you know, and, and lighting those candles and blowing them out. They know it's a party. And how can we keep the joy of a birthday like a child? And that's kind of my uh, question for today's message that we look at. 
Uh, it's my question for us as we move through this year. Uh, I think we could all agree that this year has the potential to throw things at us that we've never seen before. Um, it has the potential to be the most difficult year ever, but it also has the potential to be the greatest year ever. You know, if we um, can really gird ourselves up in our spirit and, and uh, really discover and commit to who we look to for our joy. So the reason for today's message, at least my reason, and God has his reason, and, and I think it will come out as we go through the scriptures here, but my reason is uh, what keeps me going is I like to see the light come on in other people. You know, that, that moment where, oh my God, I finally figured it out. or It's something that I've been hearing all my life all of a sudden now makes sense. And the light goes on. Or you you hear something or you're reading scripture and you, you pick up on a verse and you've read over it a hundred times, but all of a sudden today, that one really makes sense to you. It really changes your life. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I live for, just to see that going on in people's lives. So what are some of the ways that you use to keep yourself from going dark, from going down that rabbit hole of turmoil and depression? How do we maintain our joy as a Christian? We are supposed to be joy-filled, right? Amen. Yeah. So how do we maintain that? Well, I think the first thing to uh, recognize and realize is Satan is the joy stealer. Satan is the joy stealer. And he is out there trying to steal our joy. It is not other Christians that are your joy stealer. You know, we often live under this uh, heavy umbrella of well, we're, we're kind of making other people's lives miserable. We're telling them they can't do this and they can't do that. You know, they can't have this fun and that fun. You know, they're stealing their joy. It's wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Satan is the joy stealer. And he will work and can work through other people. He can work through circumstances. And we need to train ourselves. When we see somebody um, losing their joy... When somebody's behaving badly, it's Satan that is the enemy. It's not that person. So the reality is that holidays can be kind of hellish for some. You know, it's not a pleasant time they look forward to. Um, people that work in the uh, uh, corrections department can tell you in the hospitals that... The holidays can be really deadly. A lot of uh, injuries, um, people fighting, and and uh, a lot of a lot of ugly things happen. So, if this is all the case, what's the problem? Why is this happening? What what's going on? What's the problem? And I would say for most people, it's unmet expectations. They have had expectations about how this day or this season or this week is going to happen. They have had expectations how when I go over to so-and-so's house for dinner or to go visit 
this is what it's going to be like in my mind. You know, I'm, I'm going to have a good time and it's all going to work out. But life throws a lot of curveballs at us. And I think the other uh, problem, the other reason is our frame of mind. Our frame of mind. And this is kind of um, what, what do we have our faith in? What are we uh, living for? What is our frame of mind? Um, you know, we, some people, they have a frame of mind that's uh, what I might call the Eeyore spirit. They watch Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore. You know, some people are just downers. They go around, everything's bad, it's going to be bad, it can't get any worse. You know, that's the Eeyore spirit. Another way to look at it is, is your cup half full or half empty? We're familiar with that expression, right? You know, some of us will say, I'm a kind of a half empty kind of person, half empty cup kind of person. And others will say, oh, that person, he's, his cup is always half full. And he's always looking at the positive. But some, their cup is overflowing, right? <laughs> they always seem to be full of joy. Um, they always seem to get through those tough times. And, you know, their cup seems to be overflowing. So, this is kind of, the, a frame of mind is maybe what we, um, what causes us to think our cap, cup is half full or half, half empty. And it's really kind of a fluid uh, situation, isn't it? I mean, a cup... It's either getting emptied out or filled up. So it's a bit fluid. Things can change. And if you're a if you're a half empty kind of person, I hope that uh, maybe today um, you could be encouraged by this message, and and maybe your frame of mind can change permanently. Turn with me to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, 1 6. And we're going to read verse 5. Right there. Amen. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Isn't that another way of saying? He's my everything. If you think about it. Inheritance. Yeah. That's what it says in here. You are a portion of my inheritance. Amen. Yeah. Tell what's translation. So he's our everything. He has everything for us. He's going to give us uh, everything. So do we, we go through life with a frame of mind like that? Are we trusting God in all the various situations that come up? You know, we can't predict everything that's going to happen. We can't control everything that's going to happen. Because there are so many other things at play that can make things happen in our life that we have no control over. But it, it amounts to how do we respond? Do we have that frame of mind that no matter what, 
If you slay me, if you take everything away, I will still worship God. You know, he is my portion. He is my lot. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 23. We're all familiar with this. But as we read it, try to absorb it in the context of today's message. And, and that is better than sunshine. Uh, being in God's house, being in His family, being born again is better than sunshine. I mean, as much as I like sunshine, it pales in comparison to being in God's house, to being born again. It is, you know, we, we're not in a club. It's not like being born again means, you know, I'm wearing all the cool clothes or I'm driving a cool car. <clears throat> um, you know, I make the best videos. It's not a club. It's not a set of achievements. Being born again is something that's eternal. And it should be better than anything. So David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup <coughs> overflows. This man's cup wasn't half full, it wasn't half empty, it was overflowing. And why? Because the Lord was his shepherd. The Lord directed his life, and no matter what happened in his life, the Lord was there for him. He even declares that in the midst of bad things, in the, in the face of my enemies, God prepares a table for me. He's providing me the food and the things I need and the drink. He's pouring out his love. His cup overflows. Now, is he saying that I've got all the possessions I need and all my kids are great kids and they all love me and they're for me? You know, I drive the best car. No. It's his faith in how God is in his life. Are we that way? Do we appreciate God that way? Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. So he's believing that following Jesus, following the Lord, letting him be his everything, his all in all, that no matter what happens, Mercy and goodness are going to follow him. You know, it's always going to be there for him. We we see in the earlier part of the psalm how, you know, David is 
recognizing, and no doubt he's remembering times when he was really in danger. He was in mortal danger. Um, we know from history that even his sons were pursuing his life, trying to take over the kingdom. And yet he can say this. And the challenge is, can we say this? Is our faith such that we can say this? The second part of verse 6. These things follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what being born again is about. It is not saying, I got everything figured out, I never mess up, I'm never going to have troubles. It says that goodness and mercy will follow us and we will live in his house forever. Forever. We do not know, we do not understand, we can't comprehend forever. But we have been given forever. We have been given immortality. Like my translation says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. <laughs> Sneaking up after you. <laughs> it just sounds more active to me, like God is saving them to find me and be with me. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Amen. So I kind of take uh, that Psalm 16 verse that we read. It's not, it's the wrong question. Is my cup half full or half empty? The question, the answer is, the Lord is my cup. If we can absorb that, our cup will be overflowing. Um, so what is the key to contentment? Uh, I think during certain seasons of our life we go through, we would say, well, I'm not really content. Things aren't going really well. You know, I'm, I have a lot of problems and things aren't going right. And, you know, we want to know what the key is. You know, how can I regain my joy? How can I be content? Uh, content is being satisfied. Our whole society is built upon more. Got to get more. I do it by trusting in the Lord. Yeah. So I stay content with what's happening. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the message. Well, and I think we need to remember that basically the worldview right now teaches us essentially you can never be content. Yes. Yeah. With that idea much. of, you know, you need more. <clears throat> constant message of you deserve, you deserve, you deserve, you should have, you should have, you should have. It, actually, the message that it's sending and that I think we're seeing in a lot of society is you will never, ever, ever be content. There's no way to achieve <coughs> contentness because you always need one more thing. Yeah, they change the description of contentment. So I think, you know, sometimes we have to reframe our thinking and step away from the world. Get sucked into that message and we'll never be content. Amen. So the key to contentment is focusing our mind. Focusing our mind. And really when we're saying that, we're saying focus our heart. So we've got to focus. And what are we going to focus on? What, what can we focus? focus on that will keep us where we think 
our cup is half full, or our cup is overflowing, where we have that frame of mind that it's going to be okay because God is on the throne and he's in my life. Turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, it's about three-fourths of the way through uh, the New Testament. And we're going to read verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Paul is telling us in this letter what to focus our mind on, what to be looking for. That that whole sales pitch of more, you got to have more, you got to get more, is just trying to change or dictate what your mind is focused on, right? You know, I don't have enough, or I don't have that, so therefore I'm not content. But the Bible is telling us, focus on Jesus. And he went through all of that crucifixion and burial, all of that for the joy that was set before him. He endured all that. What is, what is the joy that is being referred to? It is us. It is our faith. It is in him. So he takes joy in that. And we, if we will turn our eyes and our heart on him and take joy in him, we will be content. We'll be able to be like Paul and say, I can be content. I've, I've had really difficult times. I've had really good times. I've had a whole bunch of stuff, and I've had nothing. But Jesus, I'm content. It's all I need. Um, next scripture, turn to James. The next book to your right, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, I love this verse, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, and lacking in nothing. So it is the testing, it is the growth, it is the perfecting of our faith that gives us contentment. So much so that James says, when you see trouble coming your way, it's time to start rejoicing. You know it's going to be bad. It's going to hurt. It's going to take a lot of money out of your pocket. You may get injured. You know it's bad. But take joy. That's a crazy way of thinking unless you're in the world. Because you know that God is going to just test your faith and grow it, give you that endurance, and perfect your faith. And you will have contentment through that. Um, again, it's all about 
Where are we focusing? What are we looking at? What is our life built upon? We were singing that this morning. So, are you catching a second message here in what we've gone through? In other words, what we're saying is, don't focus on yourself. You can spend way too much time thinking about yourself, thinking about how you can get more or why um, your life is so bad and other people should make it better. We need to learn to rejoice. Rejoice always. To pray without ceasing. To give thanks in all circumstances. When something goes bad in your life, have you trained your heart to say, thank you, God? Think about that. You get a flat tire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that flat tire. How can you say that? Because you know God's going to provide. You know, you hit a deer with your car. Your car is messed up, maybe total. I remember that happened to, to us. And, and in fact, when it happened in our Subaru, I had Bethy with me when I'm driving my Subaru. And uh, we hit a deer and it just totaled the car. And uh, <clears throat> I pull over and Bethy just crying her eyes out. Crying, 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 crying. Why are you crying? Because Nikki Savannah said she was going to give me this car. This is going to be my car. I doubt that. But, you know, in my mind, you know, I can easily walk away and say, okay, Lord, you want me to have a new car. I don't know what it's going to be or where it's going to come from, but somehow you must want me to have a new car. So it wasn't a big deal. And then you told them that one, too. More importantly, you guys were okay. Yeah. Cars are replaced just a little manure. Yeah. So the, the last phrase of this verse I've been going through, which is First Thessalonians five. Uh, you know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God wants of you, what he expects of you? That's it. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. That's, that should be easier to remember for us. So, this is how we have to have our frame of mind set. Focusing on Jesus. Trusting God that he's there and in all circumstances and he is perfecting our faith through these troubles. Amen. Some situations though are temporary. In other words, you know, these are ones we're starting to count all joy. We're kind of used to going through these short-term problems and we know God's going to pull us out of it. But some are situations that need changing. <clears throat> God will bring things to us. He'll bring challenges. He'll bring things to us because he wants something changed in us. And instead, we're complaining. Wait, how could this, how could God do this to me? How could God let this happen to me? And we're missing the critical question, and that is, God, 
What are you trying to show me here? Is there something that I need to change? Any of us do that when we're going through a difficult time? We need to. We need to try to look at things from heaven's perspective. We need to examine our mind and our heart and ask why we're feeling a certain way. And then ask, well, what is God's perspective on this thing? Having peace and joy and contentment is a product of what our mind is set on. You see? Do you you see how that plays out in what we've talked about so far? And a short way to say it is our mind is either focused on the earthly things or the heavenly things. Turn with me to Colossians. So if you're James, go left a few books to Colossians chapter 3. And what we're going to see here is setting our mind on the Lord takes our mind off of us. Thinking too frequently and too much about ourselves will bring unhappiness. And it will even create poor mental health. You must be aware. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the hand, the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amazing. So set our mind on the things above, not the earthly, but the heavenly. Um, This time of year, many of us like to make New Year's resolutions, right? And the New Year's resolution is about something new you want to do in your life or something you want to correct that's been part of your life. And we want to make a change. But I'm suggesting the Bible teaches us to put on a new self. Not just a resolution about one year thing. Let's put on a new self. Be a new person from the inside out. Let's continue reading Colossians 3. We're going to pick up at verse 5. Put to death, therefore. Put to death. So God wants us to get rid of things permanently, not just temporarily, not just for a week or two, a moment or two, but put it to death. When it's put to death... It's dead. It's no longer there. It's no longer part of us. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What does he mean by that? What is earthly in me? Well, he goes on to tell us. He says, sexual immorality, impurity. I was reading 
um, an article that had a survey and they have determined that pornography is the number one religion in America based on how many people participate in it and watch it. That's pretty sad commentary, isn't it? So the Bible here is telling us, put away sexual immorality. You know, we, I know, I know we're human. We say, well, it's okay. It's not that bad, you know. Jesus still loves me. And we're missing the whole point. Put it to death. <coughs> Why? Not that he's going to love you more, but it's good for you. It'll be better for you. Life will be better. Put away the passion and evil desire and covetousness. <coughs> covetousness. That's that whole, got to have more. Got to have a better car, a better house. All of these things are idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. This is not a watch out because it might happen. No, it is coming. And we don't know how soon that's going to be, but it's closer today than it was yesterday. We all agree on that. Verse 7, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. Jesus sees what we're doing behind closed doors. He sees our heart. Just because somebody else doesn't see it doesn't mean he doesn't know what's going on. And, and he's celebrating the transformation here. You used to walk in that at one time. But I love you. And you've changed. And you no longer walk in that. Verse 8. But now you must put them all away. In other words, okay, maybe you've gotten rid of some of these, these first things, but there's more. There's more we want to dig in. Put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Wow, Jesus, you're really digging in on the air. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, but the barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, he says, Put on your heavenly clothing. Put on your heavenly clothing. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. He goes on to say that we should speak in certain ways um, with love and kindness and thankfulness. And in whatever we do, whether in word or deed, do it unto the Lord. 
Would we, if we were to examine some of the things that we do throughout the day or the week and challenge every action by, is this something that is giving God glory? <coughs> you know, it's going to change some of the things that we do or want to do. Now, the flip side of this is the pursuit of being heavenly minded can go too far. <coughs> You know, Oliver Wendell Holmes was famous for being quoted for saying, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Have you heard that? I probably thought it was in the Bible, but <laughs> Oliver Wendell Holmes. And some have indeed used heavenly mindedness as an excuse for earthly aloofness. Earthly aloofness. What do we mean by that? Uh, it means that we could be avoiding real conversations that we need to have. Right? I mean, if we're going to disciple one another, if we're going to build one another up, we need to have those conversations with the spirit of love and gentleness, not condemnation. But we don't want to avoid them. Um, earthly aloofness could be Avoiding helping the needy. You know, after all, they made their own bed. They might as well sleep in it. I'm saying that sarcastically because the people listening to the recording can't see my sarcastic face. There's probably an emoji for that. Yeah. The earthly aloofness is avoiding doing what God wants us to do. Right? Did that sound like earthly aloofness? I mean, God has put it on your heart to do something, and you're just, you're holding off. You know, you figure you got more time. You figure maybe nobody's going to know, nobody's going to see. You can get away with it. Others have used this heavenly mindedness, mindedness as a cover for the issues they refuse to deal with. You know what I mean? In other words, they can be going around spouting all these verses and they have all these Christian sayings and, you know, they, they put on a, a good face, but there's stuff inside that God wants them to deal with and they refuse and they cover it up with all of this heavenly mindedness stuff so that we won't think that they have those issues they need to deal with. I feel like a modern day Pharisee. Yeah. But the log in your eye. Absolutely. And and we can see through that. So, you know, we we're we're just fooling ourselves, really. Um, some even use this heavenly mindedness to judge others. Um, and it's also used to posture insincere confessions. Um, have you experienced somebody that is giving you a confession and it just doesn't feel sincere. So heavenly mindedness can go a little too far, can go the wrong direction, can have the wrong foundation, the wrong frame of mind. So all this comes back to how do we stay grounded? How do we keep our feet on the ground? How do we uh, stay emotionally grounded? And I think realizing that the Son of God 
is better than anything. He's our all in all. He's better than sunshine in my way of thinking. He even created the sun for our benefit. Yes, he will. Created that for our benefit. Nothing would be here without that sun. What's that? The S-O-N, too. Oh, yes, exactly. Although he didn't create the sun, but he, right. he, gone, he gave him to us, yes. Um, he also created the ground, the physical earth, time and gravity. Time and gravity. You'll remember Ecclesiastes 3, or some of you old people, you hippie, your hippie days back at Woodstock. Maybe you heard this one. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. These are not words from that song. These are words from the Bible, Ecclesiastes 3. Yeah, the birds did that song. Yeah. And obviously one of them... When we had has been reading the Bible. Yeah. That was amazing? a hit song. It was a big time hit song. It was. There was quite a few hit songs that were that had Jesus in them. Yeah. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time for everything. On this New Year's Eve, this New Year's Day, every year we're thinking about time, right? You know, how much time has gone by? How much time is going to be ahead of me? How I'm going to be using that time? How I've used the time in the past? So I say, and I think Scripture tells us this very thing, is let us measure our days wisely. Let us measure our days wisely. We don't know how many days we have left on God's calendar, individually and as a humanity. Measure our <coughs> days wisely. Here's, here's another picture image. Eternity is in front of us. Eternity is in front of us. If you think about that, that could just change how you address time in your daily life. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Amen. This is how we keep those birthday candles lit. Putting our faith, our focus in God. All right, praise God. Let's gather around and pray for one another. Oh.